0: Before we get started, in light of a number of incidents involving D&D and Wizards of the Coast that have recently come to our attention, we are taking steps to stop promoting and supporting them. While some of the episodes in this series featured D&D mechanics, episode after June 8, 2020 will have those aspects removed. Going forward, we might revisit some of the early episodes in the Wayward Sun series to remove as much D&D as possible. Until then, hopefully those episodes will serve as a sign of our growth, and not as support for D&D or Wizards of the Coast. For our full statement on this, please listen to the episode titled, We're Removing D&D from Wild Endeavors. As a group, we are trying to overcome the privileges we enjoy. We are trying to learn, to be more inclusive, more supportive, and to do better. We hope that this is a step in that direction. And now, we're pleased to have you join in our wild endeavors. Welcome to our new series of wild endeavors. Herein we're going to follow the adventures of a group of heroes known as the Wayward Sons, as they fight their way through a cold war that has kept their people imprisoned unknowingly for millennia. These endeavors use 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons to frame our story through the lands of Arya. We're joining our heroes in the midst of their adventures. It's not necessary. But if at any point you'd like to know more about their individual backstories or how they got here, please check out our prologue episodes. This is the story of the Wayward Sons, featuring Amy Jostineau as the Dwarven Barbarian Thorina Thunderhelm.
1: Malcolm, I need a couple healing potions before I do the hard way, but once I get those done,
0: I'm in. Evan Chamberlain as the Human Cleric Elliman Corster. I'm gonna say, guys, do not kill him. This is not a robbery. This is us getting our money back. So don't take all the gold, okay? Devin Salisbury as the Eldrin Wizard, Varus Leodon. I want to use my face step and teleport right in his face. Adam Rogers as the Gnome Rogue, Malkin Castle. Does this mean we own a Fey Wild Bar now? Nick Feely. As Alvin Fighter, Aramil Galadinell.
2: It's also $100 worth of punishment for a 10-cent crime. You ended his life because he was going to steal money from us, so...
0: And I'm Thomas Marsetti, your DM and the jerk who makes actions have consequences. Now, this is Episode 1, Trial of the Wayward Sons. Five of you stand on a stone platform a cobblestone surface stretches about 15 feet in all directions around you beyond that a drop that disappears into blackness that might as well be infinite about 50 feet from the edge of the platform and emerging from this darkness are four stone pillars they surround you spaced evenly and you think placed in a position so that each occupies one of the four cardinal directions about 50 feet into the air just high enough that you have to crane your neck to look at them an archfey sits upon each of the pillars they are the four judges of your trial they are humanoid in general appearance their sharp ears and facial features are reminiscent of elves but by comparison elves seem gawky and graceless The judges look ancient and ageless. Their beauty is horrifying to behold, but impossible to look away from. They are masculine and feminine and neither. Their eyes are purple, with white irises that seem to change shape with their moods. Those eyes burn with cold indifference, empty mirth, and a power and knowledge beyond your comprehending. As you would soon find out, Sitting in judgment on you are representatives of the four great queens of the fae lands. The summer judge has skin of gold that shimmers like a sunny day. A mantle of white feathers rests upon them like a cloud bank. Their long white hair is intertwined or transforming into a crown-like bundle of feathers atop their head. The autumn judge appears to wear a gown of layers of warm black cloth golden leaves peek out between the layers like borders. Their hair is jet black and rises and swoops back into four-foot ram's horns over their head. The Winter Judge has bluish white skin that makes you cold just looking at it. They are either naked or wearing an extremely form-fitting one-piece outfit. Either way, their body has no features save the gentle lines of muscle definition That you're pretty sure clothes would hide. Their bluish white hair sweeps up into a teardrop shape, and crystalline eyebrows jut out like massive snowflakes. The spring judge wears a bright green robe, open in the front revealing the fullness of their gray skin. All along their body, plants, trees, flowers, and vines grow up and out of the fae skin. A tiny grove of alabaster barked trees "'spread like a fan behind their head. "'Beyond the judges is more of the seemingly bottomless abyss, "'and then a ring of coliseum-like seats "'that rise up hundreds of feet "'and are filled with all manner of fay creatures. "'Satyrs are taking bets from dryads. "'A tabaxi is alternating between smoking a pipe "'and lazily cleaning itself with its cat-like tongue. "'A group of kenku squawk angrily "'and shake their bird-like hands in your direction.' The unicorn looks a little sad but keeps its gaze intently on you the five of you stand dressed in gossamer clothing that is not your own baggy and comfortable pants like scrubs fall with rainbow shimmers to your bare feet you have no shirt save a scarf that wraps around your neck and shoulders so many times that the folds of it fall down almost to your waist And still more scarf falls like twin waterfalls from your shoulders, down to brush the floor. Your possessions have already been confiscated and are being held in a pocket dimension by the Wardenor, the guards of the Summer City. As if by some unseen or unheard signal, silence falls over the crowd. And the judges say in unison, "Save your name for the record.
1: I am Tharina Thunderhelm, Scion of the Cerulean Suns, Hammer of Valor, Cortège of Summer, and Skull Crusher.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I'm Element Corser, Hadar and Champion of Tempest, Scion of the Cerulean Suns, Warden of Valor Hold, Cortez of Summer, the Iron Bear. I am Aramil Gladnell of the Vale
2: Lancers, Ara Ashurian of the Sethai Shrine, Scion of the Cerulean Suns, Warden of Valor, Cortege of Summer, and obviously the Hawkeye.
4: I'm Varys Leadon, Ara Israfel of the valerial Front, Cortege of Summer, Seeker of the Cerulean Suns, and the Elder Sidereal.
5: I step forward and say My name is Malkin Kessel, Scion of the Cerulean Suns, Warden of Valor, Dragon Slayer, and Champion of the Tower of the Plucked Eye. I'm kind of a big deal. <laughs> and I step back. I bow, I think, and then I kind of like step back in my.
0: The judge's expressions remain blank, and then they say, Let, Let us, us begin. begin. <laughs> Two days before the trial, and about 12 hours after the death of the Kenku shopkeeper a Glorious Purpose, the five of you are sitting in a fey prison. The cell is an oblong bubble. It shimmers like soap, as if it's about to float away at any moment, but it feels more solid than steel, and none of your magics work within it. Your belongings have been confiscated, and you are given these strange gossamer apparel to wear. The bubble is clearly, if not visibly, anchored to a branch of the solstice tree. The roughly 1,000-foot-tall tree grows from the center of the Summer City. A great stairway seeming to grow out of the tree itself wraps around the trunk and up to the Summer Court, where sits Titania, the matriarch of fairies, the archon of the Seelie Court, the Queen of Summer. About halfway up the tree, one of the branches extends farther than the rest. It is in this precarious bow that we find your bubble, prison cell. Tell us a little bit about your character and what you are doing while you are awaiting your trial. Aramil's a wood elf. Um, He has bright white skin,
2: blue eyes, and and shiny silvery hair. I think because he is kind of pissed about this whole situation, he's kind of just like sitting towards the back corner of the cell, um, maybe spinning an arrow... Through his fingers, like you would maybe like a pencil at your desk or something, um, and he just like hasn't said much of anything to anybody since since we found out we were in this predicament.
1: Thorina uh, so is a barbarian dwarf. She's got dark red, almost purplish hair that is typically kept in a French braid, either straight back or to a side. She's very muscly. Has like a scar on her left shoulder. From an incident with a were bear. And right now she is probably doing like strengthening exercises, like push ups or whatever, just to like keep her mind going and trying not to worry about Diggy, who's been taken. So. That's right. Which is her pet Kraken, BT Dubs.
3: Uh, Elliman, uh, he is a gentleman who is lightly tan skin, about six foot. He would typically always keep his hair short, but right now it's kinda long, has got a beard. Because of the situation, he's gonna be away from everybody else. Element's typically always a team-oriented person, but because of what happened, he's kinda just secluded, but he's sitting cross-legged, I'd say, uh, staring maybe towards a wall, but, you know, eyes closed in like a, uh, like a meditative, you know, pose, praying.
4: Varys is a, um, at the moment, he, uh, looks like a, uh, typical elven fashion, but he looks more wild, has wild features about him, Hair's kind of strewn about, and he is kind of, not pacing, but he's definitely kind of tapping his foot, kind of like in an irritated standpoint, wondering how the hell he let these people get him into the situation, but here we are. He's got long, um, long kind of robes, but not not your typical fashioned robes it's more almost like a leather kind of tighter fit robes he's got long white hair that's kind of like in a braid to the sides kind of thing Um, yeah he only has one hand as well so that's a fun time for him
5: (laughs) Uh, Malkin is a gnome rogue obviously relatively short a little scruffy he has long hair that's not super well kept. He is missing an eye, uh, <laughs> but has is currently wearing an eye patch, but um, has been known to take it off before to use the scar uh, for intimidation. In the jail cell, he um, kind of is going back and forth between mm-hmm. kind of sitting on the ground and, and getting back up and pacing a little bit and um, probably going over and talking to uh, Elliman uh, from time to time, just kind of bugging him a little bit Asking him if Tepes can do anything in this situation
3: We're Unfortunately At his mercy at the moment The decision that you two made Has put us in this predicament It wasn't fair battle So unfortunately He's not going to be on our side
5: I, uh, look at him and I say, alright, well, agreed to disagree. And I, I turn around and <laughs> I <don't> walk back.
0: <laughs> I <don't> walk back. <laughs> After a little while of all that, you hear a rustle in the leaves nearby. With a flourish, an emerald green fox emerges from the canopy. Behind it, trailing like a comet, almost twice the length of the creature. The fox's tail is a dazzling array of peacock feathers. The feathers start as Emerald near the fox's body, slowly giving way to splashes of blue, red, and purple. The fox perches on a branch near the bubble and says, Hello, friends.
3: It's good to see you, Garth. Do you, um, think you can, uh, help get us
0: out of here? I'm afraid not. Um... You are about to go to, on trial before four of the Archfey. There's, there's just no way I could, if I got caught by them. Does it look bad for us? Uh, it depends on what you mean by bad.
3: I mean like, you know, are they gonna kill us? Are they gonna... You know, make us, you know, live out the rest of our lives in some type of dimension. I mean, what's going on? Do you know what they're going to do us?
0: Well, you did kill a citizen of the Fey, so it's hard to say. Fey law is pretty strict when it comes to the guy Shine, um, but it's also pretty complicated. I don't remember them ever executing. Um, any guy shine that broke the law, um, but there are plenty of kind of terrible outcomes that you that you could run into. And what is your advice for
1: not getting those outcomes?
0: So Garth is going to give you a bunch of information about Faye trials right here, and rather than just going through all of it right now. When we go back to the trial, if you have any questions about procedures or what's going on, we'll do kind of a flashback and say, like, oh, you remember that Garth told you this or that they, you know, explained it in this way. Basically what we'll need to go, going into it, the the trial will have two parts, um, the judgment and the sentencing. During the judgment, just follow their lead. They're going to talk about the charges, answer any questions that they ask you, a particularly moving defense here could save you some trouble later on. But however, the best bet to avoid like some of the worst consequences will come during the sentencing phase. During this phase, your group and the judges will take turn presenting arguments, um, and so these can this can be evidence or witnesses or just simple arguments. When the judges present something, you guys will have a chance to, like the the cross examine to answer their charge and when you present something they'll have a chance to kind of cross-examine as well or at least to just kind of offer their take on it and so basically each argument will be an opportunity for you to basically gain points either with the judges as a whole one of the judges or the audience or like of the trial and so basically it'll be either positive points or negative points and the more positive points at the end the better things end up for you the more negative points, the worst thing. So if you get, like, all the negative points you can for the judges, like, right away, the trial's going to end much earlier and be bad. Or likewise, you could, if you fill up, like, all the audience positive points, it'll end much earlier and you'll have a much better outcome. Um, do you have any other questions for Garth right now?
1: Garth, how do the save view Kinku in general?
0: Uh, The Kenku are the Kenku. They are scavengers, and they are not necessarily the most trustworthy. But, and this will be important for you during the trial, is remember that fey morality is not the same as your morality they are much more interested in the nature of things. And this will be an important part of your trial, particularly during the sentencing. See, since uh, the inception of the blood compact with the queens of four, the have had very little need for jurisprudence as you would understand it because they know their own nature. To put it another way, uh, if a lion kills a gazelle, you won't see elephants or zebras detaining the lion and holding a trial. It's the lion's nature to kill the gazelle. Uh, likewise, it's the gazelle's nature, uh, if they're weak or slow, to be killed by the lion. Uh, so there's likewise no trial for the gazelle. If the same said lion killed a fay, we could not punish it to teach it a lesson, but we could make it so it was no longer a threat. And that's where the the shining races become a problem. Each of your races have your own nature, uh, yet so often your people work sideways of their nature, or even directly against it. As far as the fey are concerned, humans are gluttonous butchers. They consume or destroy almost everything that they touch. Gnomes are inquisitive and inconsequential your lives are best lived puzzling over riddles and admiring creation. Dwarves are avarice and jealousy. Gave up the light and warmth of the sun just so nobody else could even accidentally enjoy the sparkles of your shiny riffraff. Elves are arrogant and aloof. Uh, you would rather watch the world around you burn than risk dirtying your hands for those lower life forms. So the sentencing will be much about the judges taking your measure and deciding if your nature aligns with your races or with something else. And from there, deciding what action is required. Would they take
5: my roguish lifestyle into account or only my race?
0: No, they'll take your lifestyle into account as well. And that's the, that's the thing that makes these kind of trials necessary for Gaishine because there are humans that are true to their nature, but then there are humans who spend their whole lives healing people and protecting the sick. There's just no way of knowing what you, Gaishine, will do with your lives.
5: Okay, that's good. I feel like I have a little bit of an argument now, so that's good. Thank you, Garth. Garth, is there a particular judge that we should try to make our arguments to more than any of the
0: other ones, in your opinion? The Summer Judge is an embodiment of boldness and aggression, of unfettered energy. The Winter Judge is the embodiment of uh, contemplation. Uh, it's It's a time when the vibrant energy of the world slumbers. The spring judge is cheery and celebration. Uh, It's a time marked by merriment. And the autumn judge is peace and goodwill when the summer's harvest should be shared with all.
5: I would say we were bold and aggressive. (laughs) All right, so, I mean, I would look at the arena since we're really kind of the two that are fucked the most and say, I'm pretty sure we need to focus a decent part of our energy on convincing the Summer Queen to, um... who is also the one that likes us, and used to like us already, right?
0: The Summer Queen is the one who um, let you go into the Well of the Moon and then, like, gave you that trip back home. Um, The Summer Judge is not the Summer Queen,
5: though. Um, okay. Anywho. Well, then the Summer Judge is the one we should probably have to focus our energy on for the most part, because... Like I said, the boldness and aggression is kind of our MO. <laughs> uh, well, not as a group because Aramel hates it sometimes, but. This
1: is definitely my MO.
5: Any other smart people want to ask Garth a question?
2: I would ask Garth, how much is it an emotional type of judgment versus a, like, actual legal evidence laid out?
0: Or does it matter? Um, Garth thinks for a little bit. There are truths that no emotions can change for the Fae. And likewise, there are emotions that cannot be ignored despite certain truths. While I wouldn't say that they are equal, there are certainly cases where either one can overcome the other.
5: Uh, Garth, do you know of anybody else that's... Uh, been caught up in a similar situation as us. I mean, hopefully you believe us in the fact that this guy had swindled us and taken our money and set up this whole plan to, to deceive us. And, and is there, is, has anything like this happened before?
0: Um, yes. There was Wathwi. Wathwi was the leader of a group of mercenary adventurers who came from the mortal realm seeking glory and powerful magics. They entered into an accord to gain said magic. When they found out the magic could not leave the Feylands, they set fire to the grove where the fawn lived, and many pixies died. Wathwee's trial lasted for three minutes. The punishment was the loss of their toes, and that any blood relations of the adventurers, then or in the future, would never have toes again.
5: Doesn't sound so bad.
0: Okay.
5: Yeah, I mean, we're... can't walk without toes, though. I mean, I already have one eye, so I mean, we're used to losing
0: limbs and things like um, here. So, um, all right, let's do it. Okay. Back in the present, the five of you stand on that platform. The Fae Judges look down on you from their raised seats at the four cardinal points. Behind and around them, the Colosseum of Spectators has fallen quiet. So the Summer Judge leans forward and says, It should be noted, the Summer Queen has already revoked your titles within the court. Your portal keys to the Fae Wild have been confiscated the rest of the judges nod and Autumn again takes up you stand accused of shedding fey blood murder short of annihilation assassination of sovereign nobility and pilfering and wandering you are guilty now we will decide your fate the crowd is amused by this. There's some laughing. There's little, like, smatters of clapping.
5: Does that mean we're just skipping the first part you talked about and going right to 10 Yes. Cool.
0: What?
1: Wait, was he actually a noble?
0: I mean, this is the first you've heard of it. Okay. So, Autumn continues and says, You may present your first case. I'll
2: step forward, and I'll say... I was not involved in whatever incident took place here, and quite honestly, I don't care about what took place. But even though I don't want to be here, I stand here today because these companions of mine deserve it. The horrors we have seen over the past two years, the losses we have suffered, have made us distrusting and unnerved at times, and if you knew exactly what those were, I hope you would see that those feelings are justified. I did not get involved in this incident because I have no concern over petty transactions. But I stand before you today because I know what honor is and I know it resides in my companions on the platform. And then I will bow
0: and step back. Very nice. Spring says, tell, tell us, us a little, little of these horrors. We've lost people that are close to
2: us. We've suffered physical debilitations. We've conquered evil that I never thought imaginable. And we've uncovered an important mission that we need to take care of on our plane that could save many, many lives.
0: So what kind of... Um, do you think you tra- like this is just kind of straight persuasion? Uh, I would say so, yeah. Okay. So go ahead and roll. Twelve. And so this is a great example of what he's presenting and how he presented it giving him a bonus and so which it changed the dc it changed the the difficulty rating that that you all didn't know about for this particular instance and so you all see the a couple of the judges are nodding there are some positive sounding murmurs coming from the crowd it seems like that went over very well so the judges are next and so i think it's going to be it's going to be autumn again Will Ula, Caliphon, step forward? And a small, like, uh, platform kind of, like, extends from the Colosseum seating and coming through one of the hallways um, between, like, the rows of seats. You see, like, four, like, medium-sized tree ants carrying a a palanquin. Um, But instead of just, like, an enclosed box, it's more like a cube of water. And it maintained this shape, despite not really seem to have any kind of walls. Like, the poles are just kind of, like, stuck to the side of this water, but the water is still kind of, like, has that like that slight waving of moving water. Sitting inside this block of water with her arms, like, resting across the back, like she's, like, sitting in some kind of hot tub, is a mermaid. Um, she has jet black eyes pallid white skin uh, is kind of interrupted here and there with like stripes of green scales that swirl around her. So, Rena, I think you are the only one who recognizes her. Um, she's the one you bought Diggy from. Oh, shit. <laughs> and Autumn says, See your peace. To which Ula says, These, Gyshine, are liars and thieves. The Dwarfess and I had an accord. She sold me that gnome in exchange for a baby kraken. As she says this, she leans forward and points at Malkin. You all, of course, remember this from your first trip to the Feywild. Then the rest of this rabble broke into my home, killed my household staff, stole my gnome, and killed two of my pets out of spite (laughs) what
3: would you you have
0: have done with them? them I want my property returned she broke her accord so the gnome and the kraken should be mine for the rest of them I would want them to thirst to never again know the sweet relief of water a summer leans forward at that the Summer Queen has dismissed your claim to the property. Unless you've managed to change her mind, we will not interfere with her wishes. The Gnome and the Kraken say where they are. As for the rest, we will consider it. Ula looks pretty pissed about that. Then Autumn says, Do any of you wish to speak to her charge? for those of you in podcast land this is what it sounds like when the group looks very sheepish very well done the the other judges don't seem impressed by that and the crowd starts to mutter in a, a less positive way like we totally did that, that
1: <laughs> yeah but I feel like Serena's just trying not to like laugh and be like yeah we did that what <laughs>
0: The judges indicate that it's to you again.
5: Malkin steps forward and says thank you to all the judges that are here uh, deciding our fate. I look out to the crowd and I say thank you to the crowd that has assembled here today to see them decide our fate. Um, again, my name is Malkin Kessel, champion of the Tower of the Plucked Eye. And I kind of go and rub my eye where well, the spot where my eye used to be. I stand before you, um, you've already deemed us guilty, and I would have to agree in the eyes of the Fey Law, we as a group are guilty it may not mean much to you here in the Feywild, Wild but on our plane, our set of morals are much different as a group, we feel that we were wronged, and we are trying to make that wrong right as a Young gnome, I was much like, uh, many gnomes. Just a tinkerer in a, a city full of tinkerers. But quickly, as I grew older and removed myself from my family, I went down a dark path and became the rogue, uh, assassin that you see today. I served as a bodyguard for a very important person in my city. And through that, I learned to protect him. From scoundrels and thieves and people that were constantly trying to do him wrong. So it is completely in my nature to, to react, uh, in anger and aggression and bold actions, uh, when I feel that myself or those around me have been wronged. And this would be a perfect example of that. We just wanted to, to get what was rightfully ours back and move on. Then I, like, bow, like, separately to each judge, and then, I don't know, again, I maybe do a circle bow around to the, the crowd and step back into the line.
0: Spring leans forward. It should be known the Marquis' glorious purpose is not on trial here. He has, in fact, in his infinite generosity, insisted he did not want charges brought against you, for your attempts to break your agreement. Should you see him again, it would do you well to give him your deepest thanks. And Spring leans back, and Autumn says, Malkin, you spoke of the Tower of the Plucked Eye. Tell us, why are you not there?
5: Okay, so I guess I step back in again, and maybe I bow and I say... I'm the rightful champion of the Tower of the Plucked Eye. I fought bravely and won, but my companions and I, as my friend Airmel had said earlier, are on a very important mission, and as a protector, as I said earlier, I needed to fulfill that job. So I struck a deal with the champion that I had defeated that I will someday have to return And stand as champion at the tower, but until now, my eye was removed and given to her until the day that I return. And I bow again as I keep bowing. I don't know what else to do and I step back in line.
0: Uh, so go ahead. Let's, let's go ahead and roll for this. Is it something other than persuasion?
5: I'm going to say
3: use your plucked eye for intimidation.
0: (laughs) I don't
5: think so. I'm going to go with persuasion. Okay. At 21 total.
0: So as you are talking about your, you know, like why you're not standing at the, the, by the tower of the plucked eye, um, as you gave that explanation, the judges kind of looked at each other and gave each other very small nods. And then as you finish, the crowd is muttering their approval. And next is the judge's turn. Next, we call Oleander Blackleaf. And again, uh, like, a little platform kind of, like, comes out from the wall of the Colosseum seating, and down a hallway comes a diminutive uh, little pixie, dressed in blue gossamer robes. Um, a thistle sits on top of his head, like a hat or, like, some kind of spiky afro. And as he gets to the edge of the platform, he says, "'Yes, I know these assholes. They came trouncing through the woods.'" We'd heard them miles off. They were so loud and clumsy. We took pity on them. We were going to let them alone. And then they stormed our village. They slew my people indiscriminately and then destroyed our caperlic Bell. What would you have done to them? We would wish that any place they call home would crumble into dust on top of their heads. Do you have anything to say against his charge?
5: We we talked earlier that it was Garth that had a brother that was being held captive by them. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Malkin Malkin will step forward. Okay. And I look at the the judges and say I will speak for this we were on a mission that was given to us by member of the Feywild here um, in the summer court. In the summer court um I was there. <laughs> His name is Garth, and he alerted us that his brother was being held captive by these people. We were new to the Feywild, and we had no reason not to trust this man, and we were trying to do, again, as we usually do, trying to do the right thing and help.
0: The judges start to laugh a little bit at Malkin um, when he tells that tale. And, uh, Summer says, <laughs> you, you expect us to believe you, you met, met someone named Garth in the Summer, Summer Court? Court. <laughs> Stupid gosh, shine.
3: Can I use one of my flashbacks? Sure. Okay. Uh, flashback to Garth. hmm Um, I was gonna ask, could we name you and say your true name in any instance? Well... You don't know my true name. Well, the name that you go by as the soothsayer for the Summer Queen.
0: Wh- why, why would you want to do that?
3: Uh, well, I, I imagine you don't meet very many Garths in the, the Fe
0: Wild. No, I, I don't think that's true. I think I just I just met a Garth the other day. It's very nice. <laughs> oh, Lord.
3: Could we call for you as a, as a witness, if need be?
0: No, no, I can't.
3: I can't. I'm sorry. Well, you remember the time when we first met you and you asked us to kind of destroy a bell for some pixies? Yes. Okay. Um what if that comes up by chance? What about it? Well I mean what should we say that you were ta you tasked us to do it? Oh, I wouldn't mention that. Oh shit. Oh my god. <laughs> You confuse me sometimes, Garth.
0: I get that a lot.
3: Okay, I'll, I'll say this uh, in the flash forward or in the, in the present. Mm-hmm. I will. I'll step up to where Malkin is and just kind of like the being in question's name was not Garth. It was a name that I have been sworn to secrecy not to tell. If you will not tell us, it will be noted that you deliberately have a secret from our judgment. And I understand that, but I hold my friends and those who help me in very high regard, and I will not endanger or jeopardize that
0: friendship. So I'm going to have you both roll Persuasion here.
5: A 27 total?
0: I, I only rolled like a 13. Okay. As you made your case for this particular charge... You can see the judges' glares begin to thaw a little bit. You didn't completely flip them. You know, they are not suddenly happy that you killed a bunch of pixies. But you have managed to turn a pretty bad situation into a almost neutral one. I figured.
5: Like the situation of just actually talking about it, or the situation of it coming up?
0: The argument about you attacking the Nixle line. Okay, good. Thorina, you wanted to present a kind of a counter case similar to this, correct?
1: I would say that in regards to what he's recommending as our punishment, he has already sent kinku assassins to try to kill us. Obviously they failed since they are standing in front of you. And on top of that, they took out many, many of our own, on our own ship. Uh, And because of that, when we met Glorious, we were a little, well, I personally, was a little wary of him, but I thought the business deal was sound. And then when he made the effort to trick us into not getting what he owed us. We made an effort to uh, work with him and, like, intimidate him a little bit. I admit that. That was the only goal, <laughs> was to intimidate him. And as a our, bar- our barbarian dwarf, it is in my nature to go after everything that I believe is owed me. And it wasn't until he shot Malcolm in the face and I thought Malkin laid there dead that I attacked him in a blind rage that I did not realize... How strong I hit him. That happens sometimes. To me.
0: Oleander, did you hire assassins to attack these five? Oleander kind of starts kicking the ground. And like, well, I, just, maybe, you know, kind of. Some might have called it a uh, welcoming party. So Autumn looks at, at Oleander and kind of just, uh, like, fucking really. You, you may go, go Oleander. And then he turns to look back at Farina. If you did not trust Glorious, why did you enter into an accord with him?
1: I, it wasn't so much as not trusting him. I was just wary of his nature, and because my companions seemed to trust him enough, and we believed that the Fae would not do things to betray us, um, I went ahead with it. But when it turned around that he was just trying to trick us, then we tried to convince him otherwise.
0: That sounds like persuasion to me, so go ahead and roll that.
1: 21. Whew.
0: Um, really yeah, the judges kind of nod. There's a, like, spring, like, gives a little shrug, and the crowd is again muttering. um me build a little bit louder at this point, um, kind of positive sounds um, about this whole ordeal. And then Winter leans forward and says... Tell us, Thorina. Your argument was very convincing, but how can we trust you, knowing that you serve the King in Yellow?
1: Uh... That's actually a problem I'm trying to fix, but I'm not really sure what's going on with, and I'm not really sure what it means, so if you have any insight into that, help,
0: please. (laughs) You are unaware,
1: you are a herald of the king in yellow. Yeah, uh, he appears sometimes. I'm not really sure what it means. I'm not really sure what happens with it. But, uh, you seem to know, so can you help me?
0: Is he here now?
1: Uh, I would be able to know that if I had my Kraken. Because she can see him. I can't. Um, unless I'm in like some weird dream state that I'm not really sure how that works either, so. hmm.
0: Uh, the judges all kind of just look at each other, just exchanging glances. Go ahead and roll. Fourteen. The judges do not seem convinced.
1: I'm going if to you, suggest.
5: I call Diggy Raiders, to
1: the stand. I bring Diggy in as a witness so that he she can show them, like, because she can make people see things, so she can show them like what happened.
0: If you want to, if you want to do that as part of your argument. Yeah. Okay. The judges agree to bring Diggy out an eldrin guard steps from the front row of the audience section. One of their companions unrolls a length of what looks like silver cloth with dozens of little polka dots in five clusters, one in the center and one in each corner. The guard squints at the cloth and then pulls one of the polka dots. It is no larger than half a watermelon seed, and the silver fabric starts to tent a little bit as the guard pulls on it. Then there is a little popping noise and the guard is holding an amulet. It is the kraken-shaped amulet that Varus enchanted for you, so that it is now an entrance to a pocket dimension, so that Diggy can accompany you on your travels. The guard carries the amulet toward you. They step out into the gap between your platform and the surrounding Colosseum without missing a step. They walk, seemingly on nothing, up to the platform, and hand you the amulet. What does it look like when Dickie comes out of the amulet?
1: Serena wears this amulet that's shaped like a kraken around her neck, and she's allowed to go in and out of it, but it's also where her pet kraken lives. And so basically, one of the tentacles that's part of the amulet starts to, like, shimmer a little bit, and it becomes, like, the tip of a real tentacle. And, I mean, it's obviously some sort of magic thing. Um, but... It, she starts coming out like one tentacle at a time, so she puts one out and then a second one and then it sort of like opens the amulet up to like a larger portal and the kraken comes out through that.
0: So this juvenile kraken is sitting on the platform next to you. Her body is probably about the size of a golden retriever and her arms are mostly 4 feet long, though a couple of them are 6 or 7 feet. She looks around at the judges and crowd of fae all around. She then begins a telepathic conversation with the judges. The conversation is not in words. It is mostly images, little, almost TikTok-like videos, and emotions. The rest of the party in the crowd are not part of the conversation. Thorina only catches part of it because of her connection to Diggy. But it's enough to tell that Diggy seems to be explaining that the yellow mark appeared on you suddenly, while you were examining an eldritch rod, she shows a good portion of a panicked exchange when you, Element, and Malkin were trying to get rid of the mark, and it kept jumping around the three of you. She then explains that you all thought Element had destroyed the mark, and then shows how you have begun to see the king in yellow in visions, mostly in dreams, but some of them while waking. And she seems to be able to convince the judges that you do not serve this avatar of an elder god, nor do you seek to bring about the return of the King in Yellow so that he can awaken Hastur and bring about the destruction of this reality. It turns out that Diggy is quite the star witness and her testimony tips the scales, so to speak, and the judges react very positively now uh, to this round of charges. Um, but
1: also, can they help me? <laughs> <And> also, <what?
0: laughs> they say that that is not their business and that the uh, the judgment should be rendered first.
1: Okay. I'll, I'll I'll let that slide.
0: So it is time for the next charge. I step up.
3: Your honors. Where I'm from, on the primordial Material Plane, as a human, humans are bound to something called war. I dedicated my life to studying war. My job was to, or my job is to make sure that these wars are fought fairly and for the God Tempest. I've been with these men and women for two years now. We've lost many. I lost my best friend. I lost so much. We learned nearly two years ago now that our plane of existence is being tampered with by an unknown or outsourced entity, and we need to quell that. Coming here to the Feywild was a part of this crusade that I've been ordained with from Tempest. We must find the Wild Hunt, and that is why we're here. Unfortunately, my friends who have strong emotions and I will not hold that against them felt that this glorious person cheated us and he did and yes we were in a pact but being under this amount of stress that we have it it can really play with the life of a mortal I don't expect you to understand I will die someday you will not But until then, I have to make sure that battle is fair, and that my people and my friends survive.
0: There are a couple beats, as the judges consider you. You say you have lost people. Do you think that entitles you to take the life of others?
3: No. No, it does not. But as champion of the God of War, it does make sure that I keep these people alive and I had intended to bring Glorious back. I had not intended for him to die, and I would not intend for him to be dead.
0: They, the judges, nod at that. You said the things you have seen in your life have affected you negatively. Would it be merciful of us to kill you now and save you from these horrors?
3: No, for then my job is not been completed. These horrors make who I am. They make me the person that I am today. For without these horrors, I would not, I would not be the champion of Tempest. I would not be the scion of Cerulean Sons. I would not be here fighting for the lives of the people of my plane. You can try to end my life, but note this. If you try to end my life, I will try to end yours as well. And I do not say that as a threat, but as a fact.
0: Um, go ahead and roll.
3: Can I use luck? Sure. Much better. Much, much better. 21.
0: Some of your speech has clearly resonated with the crowd. However, that threat at the end seems to have counteracted the goodwill, or at least a significant portion of the goodwill that you had cultivated to that point. I
3: didn't mean it as a
0: threat. I know I said that the fake court is very different, but I think it's pretty safe to assume that in most courts of law, saying you're going to kill a judge is not considered a good thing.
1: Can any of us, like, step in and be like, sometimes he just, like, blabbers on and on and doesn't realize what he
0: says? If you want to make an argument that, like, on your next turn, that something that your friend just said is like should be ignored, that's an argument you can make. Okay. If you want to. Um... Can we step up and kick him off the platform. (laughs) Mm. Malcolm, how can we trust your word, given that you are both alive
5: and dead? You are a raven-marked paradox. How can we trust you? I step forward again and bow again, as I continue to do every time they talk to me. Mm -hmm. Um, And I say, judges, I earned that mark while completing the Well of the Moon that the Summer Queen sent us uh, into. I earned that mark during that challenge when I relived a dark part of my life story. My employer that I spoke of earlier sacrificed himself for my life when he... Did not need to. So when I got the opportunity to relive that moment during that challenge, I laid my life down for him. It is in my nature to do so. Again, to be a protector of people. And I bow again and I step back in line.
0: We saw your trial. It is good to hear your take on it. Uh, go ahead and roll for that.
5: Uh, just the 20 this time total.
0: <laughs> Damn, you guys are good. The judges are hard to read on this one. They seem mostly positive, but there is also a wariness to the way that they are looking at Malkin. So if you all are still going in order, uh, Varus, you would be next if you have anything you want to present.
4: I really only have the one thing, and that is... I have reason to believe that Glorious works with the Nixledine clan in conspiracy against the Summer Court.
0: That definitely got the Summer Judge's attention. Against, against the Summer Court. How is that? Upon our last visit, after
4: running the trial of the moon, we returned back to our land only to be attacked by Nixeldyne assassins. They bared the same resemblance as Glorious, and had contract, which I present. Why did, did you enter an agreement, agreement with Glorious? We wanted to gauge his personality and find out if he operated in the same manner that the assassins operated in, and wanted to track down and see if there was a hideout of sort. What did what you discover? Discuss? We discovered that in his inventory at his shop, he has acquired bands or
0: rings that these uh, known assassins used uh, while attacking us. So let's go ahead and roll. Are you thinking of this as a mostly persuasion-based charge, or is there some other skill or something in your background that you're drawing on?
4: I'd say the only thing I can think is like something to tie in with my intelligence. I think over the course of waiting for the trial... He initially thought it as a ploy, but the more he pieced together, the more he
0: saw possible truth in it. So at this point, does he believe this is what happened, or is this is this explanation a ploy he's trying to sell? I feel like he would believe it. Okay, yeah. Go ahead and roll plus your intelligence modifier. Twenty-six total. <laughs> you roll the twenty. Right. So that'll be a success. Uh, This definitely gets the crowd's attention. They are muttering pretty loudly. There seems to be a lot of confusion and surprise, but overall you would say it's a fairly positive, as far as making your case, type of reaction. The judges exchange glances, eventually all eyes turning to look at Autumn. Autumn then slowly nods, the great horns on their head bobbing ever so slightly. Then the winter judge sits back as if they mean to relax but as they settle deeper into the chair they give you a look like that of a great horned owl that has just spotted this night's dinner they then raise their hand to you palm upward a few little swirls of frost dance and ripple on their hand and then they suddenly coalesce into an amulet you immediately recognize the amulet because it is yours it is in fact your arcane focus This amulet carries the fragments of bound souls. Are you a lich? No,
4: I seek only to restore a peaceful soul that was wrongly stolen.
0: Did they ask you to imprison their soul? They came willingly but immediately offered uh, the, the way. One of these fragments
5: is in deep suffering. How you slain
4: It is at my own doing. Many years ago, I seek to perform a ritual that was beyond my capabilities. And in doing so, caused the soul great pain and sorrow. And the reason it is within that amulet is so I can buy time to restore the soul
0: to a, its proper form. Let's go ahead and roll on this. Sounds like persuasion and they do not seem convinced but you also get the impression that if they thought you were a lich things would end pretty quickly for you right here and they are not so it's uh, it's not good but but it could be a lot worse winter then sits back up straight and the judges address the five of you This will be your last chance to present argument on your behalf.
4: I would maybe like try to bring into attention that my nature, while originally of Elven descent, has drastically changed since then. Now they can clearly see, and see if that holds any precedent.
0: Information is strange but what are it?
4: I don't understand it, and I don't feel the same as Elvin as I as I used to. I feel a little bit of a little bit of the Fay Wild is touched. And don't know what to do with that. I feel as as though anything it offers can be offered to you. Are you asking to be put out of your
0: misery? <laughs> no. Very very much not, so very well. Anyone else? I don't have anything else to do, so I was at the top of the order, but I'm dead.
3: Well, since I already threatened the judges, I probably shouldn't speak.
1: I feel fairly safe in where I am, so
5: I'm going to let it go.
3: <sighs> I feel like I should say something. Don't do it. I'm sorry about what I said, guys. But like I said earlier, either we're all leaving or none of us are leaving. And just so if we, none of us do leave, I want you guys to know you guys are my family.
0: Aww. Okay. addresses so. you again. As a group,
3: you accept
5: responsibilities for your actions. I accept that. Oh man. Yeah. I accept it. I accepted it at the beginning of this and I accept it
1: Yeah, I'd be like, I feel like my rage is mostly to blame and not Element or Aramil, but yes, we accept. It.
0: You say they are not to blame, but they have just accepted the blame. What does that mean, you know,
5: We move as a group. We are one unit. We have made mistakes in the past, and we've owned up to them.
1: And we yeah. never let one person take the blame completely,
5: We're even though family. we should
1: sometimes.
3: We're all family. We've bled together. We've fought together, and that won't change.
0: Very well. Your sentence will be twofold. We will take from you something you will never miss, and we will give to you eyes that will not blind. For we have many things we wish you to see. And then, as if by some unseen, unheard signal, the assembled fay begin to leave the Colosseum Court. A pair of fawns are settling bets, since the Fae have no care for mortal currency, the losers are leaving trinkets, alchemical ingredients, and other strange items that you don't quite make sense of at this distance. The fauns occasionally give out something, a payment to a winner, presumably, but it's clear that the vast majority of the crowd bet against you. You don't see them leave, but as you look around at the commotion of the exiting crowd, the judges' chairs empty one by one. The winter judge gives you a hawkish grin. Then a flock of winged rabbits flies between you. When they clear, winter is gone. Summer glares at you until a gorgon roars, apparently angry that a unicorn is lollygagging in the aisle. When you look back, summer is gone. Spring just giggles at you. Just behind spring... Oleander and a gaggle of pixies are staring at you, arms crossed. Oleander runs a finger across his throat at you. It's just a second's distraction, but then spring is gone. And finally, the Autumn Judge nods at each of you. If the horrible beauty of their face wasn't so hard to read, you'd almost swear they seemed to present some melancholy. A gentle breeze lilts across the platform, and you hear something rustle behind you. When you turn, there is nothing there. And when you turn back to the Autumn Judge, there is only an empty chair. Um, so each of you can add uh, the feature that you can you cannot be blinded. Like,
1: literally blinded, not figuratively blinded?
0: You cannot be physically blinded. Um, That's cool, I guess.
5: Do I get my eye back?
0: <laughs> no. Um, and it's not going to—it's not going to apply in like situations like darkness. If you can't see normally, like you're not just like suddenly be able to see things, but like if someone like throws pepper in your eyes, like it's not going to blind you. It's not going to interrupt your vision.
1: So what? What was the thing that's taken from us?
3: They said you'll never miss it. Can I still think of like my wife and mm-hmm. my childhood and? Mm-hmm. Do I still feel any connection with my god? Yeah. Okay, then I'm good, I guess. I'm gonna be...
5: it's good. We're gonna like, go, and, to, go to talk to somebody and they're gonna, and we're not gonna know who they are, some shit. Maybe this is the punishment. Just trying to think about what the fuck we're missing this one. <laughs> Thomas!
1: <laughs> well, I gotta be quick.
5: Can you stand <laughs> up by the murder, but If Joe, by the yeah. end of the arc, we'll know what we missed? Or will this always be a mystery?
0: That's a great question. <laughs> With most of the courtroom coliseum now empty, you see there is a narrow stone walkway leading from your platform to the thoroughfare and one of the hallways that leads out of the coliseum. You can see the doors at the far end of that hallway are open, and beyond it, you can see the storings of the Fay Market. It appears you are truly free to go.
1: So now that that's out of the way, all we have to do is find the wild hunt.
3: (laughs) Yeah, and hope that they're impressed we killed a giant bird.
5: And hope that a legendary hero who should have died 3,000 years ago is still alive and with them.
4: And then we have to convince her to give us one of the most powerful weapons ever made. Yeah, I think
5: that about sums it up.
1: Great.
3: Good. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Awesome.
0: joining in our wild endeavors and thank you to kevin mcleod for the great music we are so excited to be sharing this adventure with you we will be releasing new episodes of this series every other wednesday during the off weeks we'll be sharing interludes mini episodes that explore historical events lore and other things happening across aria our party has just started our fourth year of telling stories together in this setting most of that time has been spent with the Wayward Sons, so you should quickly see how our other series and the Tales of Ario one-shots overlap and intertwine with our larger story. Coincidentally, as we start this new story, it's a great time to join our adventure. If you've enjoyed our stories, please tell a friend about us. Leave us a review on iTunes or on your favorite podcast player. It can make a really big difference in bringing new adventurers to our stories. We also love to hear from you directly. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram, at Wild Endeavors. We wish you the best in your own adventures. Remember to take care of yourself, and we hope you'll join us again for more wild endeavors.
5: Man, this thing we're not going to miss thing is really fucking with me. <laughs> uh, I know Thomas has some, like, funny way to reveal it, I think. Well, funny for him, not funny for us. Because <laughs> if it's never revealed, then there is no punishment. And I'm pretty sure he would not let us go without punishment, so... Oh. <laughs> I am just... Not the
3: just a sidebar real quick. I'm looking at our, our, I'm on, I'm looking at Slack right now, all of our mm-hmm. names and our little, uh, emojis next to them. I like how yours is a unicorn Thomas and <laughs> Varys is a little, is a little wizard. Dorina is a little, uh, like Kraken. Me, Malkin's is a pair of daggers and Airmills is like a, a bow and then mine's an ambulance.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think everyone chose very wisely. <laughs> it's
3: really funny.
1: Also, I almost fought the mermaid again, so.
0: You almost
4: what?
1: I fought the mermaid again.
5: Okay. <laughs> I'm really
2: yeah. glad I don't have to go back. How many different outcomes did you have, Thomas? Like, how many different outcomes? Uh, seven. <laughs> so, how high, like, up on the scale were we from, like, good stuff to bad stuff?
0: Um, you were about in the middle. Okay. Much, I mean, honestly, better than I thought. Um, it's because yeah, Diggy helped. <laughs> Because Ellen threatened the judges, the fucking idiot. That yeah, you ruined it. But I mean, Digging you guys in. made you guys made oh, good oh, arguments oh, and oh, made oh, good oh. points, and um, like fucking Nick prepared a speech, like yeah, he did. I was trying to make my speech. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
5: when you you started reading it, I was like, oh, that fucker's reading it from. A... <laughs> 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 I,
1: had, I had trial notes. I just didn't like read it verbatim.
3: I'm not going to lie, I'm very impressed with all of you guys, because I had no idea what I was going to do tonight.
5: I didn't know what I was going to say. Oh, I was
1: prepared.
3: Until we talked to Garth. Except for the
4: yellow
1: curveball thing. Yeah,
3: Yeah, we we got to figure that out.